Spirit of life and God of love, open our hearts and enter in, that hearing your word of love, we may become your love for others. Amen. Our first reading from this morning comes from the prophet Jeremiah. You can find it on page 647 of the Bibles in front of you. Jeremiah is right after Isaiah, um, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. You can find it on page 1000 of the Bibles in front of you. We are reading chapter 13, uh, the first 13 verses, which is among one of the more famous passages that Paul wrote. If you've been to a wedding, it should sound pretty familiar. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 13. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It endures all things. 
Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. For now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God, our rock, our salvation, our Redeemer. May your Spirit move upon us in truth and in power, that we may hear what you have to say to each and every one of us today. In your name we pray. Amen. In seminary, I had a professor named Charlie Brown. We also had a Sam Adams. Charlie taught pastoral care, but he was less interested in academic rigor than he was interested in teaching in an informal, laid-back environment. I managed to get a few classes with Charlie before I graduated. I'm not sure if he's still teaching. The single best advice, the best piece of advice I got from Charlie was this. If your congregation knows that you love them, you can get away with a lot. Lover, love covers a multitude of sins. Charlie was, of course, drawing from Peter, who encourages his audience, saying, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. This morning's reading is perhaps one of Paul's best known, but really for all of the wrong reasons. It may be the most popular passage used in wedding ceremonies. Several of the weddings I've been to have used it, and it's easy to see why. It serves as excellent advice for building a meaningful relationship, striving to be patient, striving to be kind, striving to be humble. This is useful advice for any relationship, not just Marriage, but Paul was not writing a warm and fuzzy passage to be read during wedding ceremonies. Paul is writing a challenging code of behavior for a troubled congregation in the early church. Love for Paul is a challenge to be realized, not an emotion to be sentimentalized. The Greek 
in this morning's passage is agape, which is an unconditional, self-sacrificing love. This is not an easy, warm and fuzzy love. This is a love that requires striving. It requires effort. In Hebrew, we're talking hesed, which is loving kindness. It's not an easy love. This is a love that requires effort. It requires strength. It is something that requires striving. It's a goal to work towards. Paul was writing to a church that was in crisis. The gifts of the Spirit were being abused in the Corinthian church. Those with the gift of speech were using it to sow discord within the community. Those engaged in prophecy were leveraging it for their own power. And those with knowledge were using it to cement their own position within the church. The gifts that God had given to the community in Corinth were being used for personal gain rather than for building up Christ's body. Those gifts were being used for personal gain rather than out of love. And Paul declares that these gifts are nothing without love. All of our hard work, our best intentions, our most eloquent words, our most exciting programs, our most prophetic preaching, none of it means a thing without love. Without love, we're just clashing symbols. Without love, we're just empty. Without love, we are nothing. Charlie and Paul were working on two sides of the same coin. Genuine love for one another is the foundation of not only meaningful friendships and relationships, but the foundation of the church itself rests on love. Love for one another and love for God. The first letter of John tells us that he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. If God in Jesus Christ is to be the foundation of the church, so too must love be the foundation upon which the church is built. We must reflect love for one another. We must reflect love for those outside of the church. We must, we must let our love for God and for one another lead us. Love, patience, and goodwill are at the core of what the church should be reflecting. We, as the church, must reflect love for, for one another. If we proclaim that we follow the Prince of Peace, yet we cannot be peaceable with one another, we're not doing a very good job of being the church. Jesus said that they will know that we are His disciples by the love that we have for one another. And as we grow in love, we better reflect the light of Christ. That is the love of Christ.
we as the church must, res must reflect love for others around us. We aren't very good mirrors, to be sure. As Paul writes, we see in a mirror but dimly. But we as the church indeed are meant to reflect the light of Christ. The same Christ who came to bring good news to the poor, release for the captives in sight to the blind. We as the church must reflect Christ's light onto the world around us, a world that desperately needs to know the love of Christ. We as the church must let our love for God direct us in all things. We show our love for God by living according to the path that God has shown us in Scripture. We show our love for God by loving one another. We show our love for God by putting our trust in God and letting Christ lead us as a church. And all of these things, without love, our actions are pointless. And all of these things, without love, we are empty. And all of these things, without love, we are nothing. Let us sit with what God has placed on our hearts.